0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: On the program, but that was about it. Everything was handwritten at the feedlot and then a data entry when you get home to the computer. So I always felt like I was entering things twice. And then, you know, there's a margin of error for that as well.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. There is a lot going on today, Ashton. It is WASD report day. We had crop progress report yesterday afternoon. I'm
2: out on the road today visiting pork producers here in the state of Iowa. So there's just a lot of moving parts today. There are a lot of moving parts today, but I kind of like those days just because I like to remain busy and be kept on my toes. So with everything going on today, I am doing well under the pressure. I've got to say not cracking just yet, but I'm sure I might be by the end of the afternoon. Well,
0: markets certainly are not cracking today either because although today's report wasn't necessarily bullish by any means. It certainly was not what the trade was expecting. I texted Ted Seifert earlier today to get his quick takes because, of course, we had him on the podcast yesterday, Ashton. And he said, you know, it wasn't as bearish as expected for soybeans. We, of course, saw yield go down, which was contrary to what folks were expecting. And it took off about 80 cents heading into the report, as he mentioned on the podcast yesterday. So Really, the trade was just trying to play catch up today. But Ashton, since uh, I've got the report pulled up in front of me, what do you say we go ahead and jump through some of these numbers? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, all in all, like I mentioned there, like Ted mentioned, there really was. This was not a bearish report by any means. However, it did paint a little bit of a picture here that maybe the USDA got a little too aggressive on last month's report. Overall, we saw the wheat outlook for this month indicated lower supplies, higher domestic use, reduced exports, and slightly higher beginning stocks. On the corn side of things, we saw increased corn used for ethanol, which I think was reflected in last week's ethanol report. We saw marginally lower ending stocks and corn production forecasted just slightly higher. And in soybeans, overall, we saw lower production and exports, higher ending stocks, and just slightly lower yields. So if we dig in a little bit deeper to those numbers here, Ashton, really the big, I think, headline is that, of course, soybean yields were dropped this month when a lot of the trade was expecting Yields to be increased on this week's report. Back in October, we saw soybean yield pegged at a 51.5. Today's report indicated a 51.2 bushels per acre yield, so just a three tenths of a bushel drop there. Corn yield increased today just slightly, about a half a bushel per acre, now sitting at a 177 really USDA didn't do a whole lot to production you know they did increase of course corn production just slightly higher based on their increased yield estimate there harvested acres they raised about a tenth of a, a tenth of a 10th uh, of a percent here and on the soybean side of things of course they dropped production numbers a little bit there based on lower yields and really didn't adjust anything for soybean harvested acres. So all in all, again, not a bearish report, not a bullish report, really kind of just a neutral report, at least for this month. The big question I have, though, is what are we going to see have have happened here moving forward? Because, of course, we saw them adjust it lower today, but do they adjust it back higher in December or January or, you know, in the months to come. So I feel like we're kind of just kicking the can down the road on today's report, Ashton.
2: Well, Delaney, other than the WASDE, there really wasn't a whole lot of news, but I do have a couple things that I want to talk about, and I'm going to kick my part off here talking about cattle burps. Of course, when we're talking about methane emissions, climate change, a We've talked about this, you know, so many times, but I'm going to repeat myself here that we really get the finger pointed at the ag industry and I feel like more specifically the cattle industry, but we're seeing some innovations or incentives Um, Kind of coming out of this project, the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research and the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy just launched the Greener Cattle Initiative, a joint research effort to reduce methane emissions from cattle. The groups told world leaders at the UN Climate Change Conference in Scotland that they will give a million dollars a year for five years to help fund research that can provide beef and dairy cattle producers with ways to curb enteric methane emissions. The methane that specifically comes from cows burping or exhaling. Intric fermentation is part of the normal digestive process in ruminant animals like cattle. I hadn't heard of this kind of methane emission or fermentation before, but Dr. Juan Tricarso with the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy says the studies will work to identify, develop, and validate effective mitigation options that will also meet farmer and consumer needs. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. Interesting today, Delaney, of course, like I said, I feel like the finger is always pointed towards, you know, cow burps or farts to be non-ladylike in my language. Yeah, and I don't know
0: that that's obviously not a technical term for it. I don't know that there is a technical term for it, though, honestly.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, Delaney. So I'm going to keep on, you know, saying burp or fart. It makes me feel like a third grader because I want to giggle every time I say it. But I I guess that's just me trying to find the light in the situation.
0: So, Ashton, the other thing I forgot to do here was go through the crop progress numbers, which, of course, came out yesterday. And as we speculated on the podcast yesterday, we are pretty dang near completion for this year's harvest, both on the corn and soybean side of things. On Sunday, USDA, or as of Sunday, I should say, USDA pegged the U.S. corn crop crop to be at 84% complete versus the 78% for the five-year average. And on the soybean side of things, USDA rated the nation's soybean harvest at 87% complete versus the 88% completion rate for the five-year average. So right on pace there for both corn and soybeans. And on the wheat side of things, USDA rated U.S. winter wheat conditions at 45% good to excellent versus a week ago, which was still sitting at 45%. So I haven't seen it get any worse there on the wheat side of the, uh, the spectrum.
2: Well, Delaney, like I said, not a whole lot to talk about here other than WASDE, crop progress. So this is going to be my last story for today and going to kick things over to China here to kind of end my piece of news talking about African swine fever because we have seen another case break out in the southern part of the country at a pig farm. And this this farm specifically had 1,063 animals to be exact. And this outbreak began on October 23rd and was confirmed on October 31st. So It's been, you know, a little bit now and we are just now hearing about this. So I'm wondering, you know, why it's just now kind of being reported or um, anything like that. But China is still suffering from African swine fever. I feel like it's been some time since China uh, or really any country for that matter. I know that I reported yesterday about um, Bulgaria or a a Balkan country. I can't remember off my head um, that they had gotten an outbreak, but we really haven't seen much. I feel like as of late. Yeah, you're right. We haven't heard it a whole lot. I think China has been hush-hush
0: about it altogether. But uh, Ashton, I also want to follow up on a quick story here that I reported on yesterday. You know, I mentioned that the Justice Department is seeking extradition of that Ukrainian man who's been accused of some of the ransomware charges or attacks we've seen on JBS. Well, we saw that followed up by a statement here from President Biden, as well as just a few thoughts from the Russian government, as well. President Biden said today, quote, that when he met with President Putin back in June, he made it clear that the United States would take action to hold cyber criminals accountable. And he said that's what they've done today. So, of course, we know he was indicted on charges of fraud, money laundering, and damage to a protected computer for the ransomware attack on a software company and several other businesses. He was arrested officially in Poland on October 8th. I don't think we had that piece of information yesterday. And other conspirators authored the Revol software and used it to seize control of multiple businesses across multiple countries, U.S. being just one of them. But federal court in Texas has issued an order to seize money held in this account and so we will see how that shakes out there. And if uh, and if folks in those countries, if their legal system will um, allow the extradition of this man to follow through. So I will keep an update, keep an eye on
2: this story and see how it develops. Well Delaney, I'm very grateful that you're keeping an eye out on that, but I'm all out of news for today. What do you say we hop into the markets? Fantastic, Ash. I'm going to go ahead and let you do that today since I am on the road not driving, but you definitely have better access to news and markets for today. Diving right into the markets here the December corn t- contract up three and a quarter to close at 554 and three quarters. The March up three and a quarter to close at 564 and a quarter. In soybeans, November contract up 21 and a half cents to close at eleven ninety-nine and a half. and a half. The January. Up 23 and a half cents close at 12.12. In spring wheat, the December up 15 cents close at 10.23 and three quarters. The March up 16 and a half to close at 10.13 and a quarter. Heading over into livestock. Bit of mixed trade here in the live cattle contracts as the December is up 10 cents close at 132.20. The February down 42 and a half cents close at 136.70. In feeder cattle, the November contract down 67.5 cents to close at 157.90. The January down 50 cents to close at 159.80. In lean hogs, right across the screen here is the December contract is down $1.42 and a half to close at 74.95. The February down 62.5 cents to close at 78.75. Closing our markets out with the class three dairy milk futures. The November contract up seven cents, close at 1812. The December at 43 cents, close at 1811. And the January up 36 cents, close at 1843. And with that, we are kicking things over to our Tech Tuesday interview today, sponsored by Performance Livestock Analytics, as we are talking to beef producers from Washington State, Sarah and Kenny Smith. Well, folks, for today's
3: hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation, we are continuing the discussion around the performance beef tools, driven, of course, by Performance Livestock Analytics, chatting today with Washington State beef producers, a couple by the name of Sarah and Kenny Smith. Thank you both for joining us today. Certainly appreciate you guys coming on with us. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your cattle operation there in Washington state, because I have to admit, I didn't realize that there was a lot of cattle production that happened in the state of Washington.
4: A lot of the people that are here don't realize that either. So, <laughs> we, uh, we operate a little grow yard in Colnell for the last 22 years, primarily weaning calves for different companies in the basin here, two large companies, you know, Tyson has a footprint out here and then agri beef who we've done a lot of work for. We run some grass cattle in the summer in Oregon, and then we can graze residual crops here in the Columbia Basin in the winter. Um, cows, yearlings, whatever we can kind of get our hold handle on. Um, that my wife's from Wyoming. I was raised here in uh, northeast north yeah northeast Washington.
3: Okay. So they're in Northeast Washington and really the entire state, as you mentioned, a lot of folks probably don't realize that there's cattle production that happens in that state because we think of it maybe growing more specialty crops, maybe the timber industry, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, What does the breakdown look like of the cattle industry specifically in the state of Washington? Are there a lot of folks that raise cattle or is it mostly in your area?
4: Oh, our our cow herds around a million cows, I think, in, in Washington. The northern parts of the state are cow-calf, smaller operations, a lot a lot of the wheat country and the Palouse and that, you know, a lot of the farmers there will have smaller bunches of cows, 100, 200. Um, then we're right into eastern Oregon, which has a huge cow population, which a lot of the, the the calves from that country come up here because we, you know, the Columbia Basin, the last irrigation project that was put in in this area, you know, is a huge farming deal. So. Lots of lots of byproduct feed and that, but but two big companies. We have you know Washington within 30 miles of us. There's two kill plants that that you know kill 15 to 2,000 head a day. So there's it takes quite a bit. We get you know we will will wean calves out of California in the in the summertime, starting in May, and then just kind of stay with those on through into you know August September when we start weaning you know local calves.
2: So, Sarah, I want to know a little bit more about you and how you really met Kenny and started ranching. Do you have a background in agriculture or raising cattle?
1: Yes, I grew up in Wyoming and we had a cow-calf herd. Um, I went to school at Gonzaga University and graduated from there. While I was in school, I worked at the stockyards in Spokane and that's where I met Kenny uh and then we ended up moving down to where we live now in Connell Washington in the summer times we did custom harvest for a local farmer and we we did hay and then moved on to wheat and then did some corn and kind of went through the whole harvest season from April to October and um that's that's when we found this place and we've been here ever since so the, the dream was always to go back to Wyoming and now we've been here for twenty three years and happy as can be, and have raised four children here that that still help us um today and they're a large part of this operation. I think we rely on them maybe a little too much, but <laughs> they're good help
3: <laughs> that's awesome, and that's great that you guys are able to incorporate the family into that as well because I think all the successful farms and ranches I know definitely include children, parents, grandparents, etc. And I think that's really part of what makes our businesses successful is having those multi generations involved. But when you guys look at twenty three years ago, you know, moving to Washington, starting the ranch, and where you're at today, what goals have you had for your operation, and how's that changed over the years for you guys?
4: They change every day. That's <laughs> you start out going to have a pretty ranch by a river somewhere. And you end up figuring out how to make money. And that's custom work is how you make money. So we've, you know, growing custom and doing custom work is how we were able to give our kids the life that you know that we came, you know, a better lifestyle, I guess what you'd say.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, run
4: cows for 15 years and realize, well, you're still not really gaining anything.
1: And our goals have always been to, you know, to number one, raise healthy kids but also kids that understand how to work and the necessity of work and uh, you know there's no better place than than agriculture to raise your kids and and we see it more and more every day that these kids just you know they they need to learn to work and they need to to be able to work Um, but our goals i would say the one goal that's always maintained or been the same is that you know we leave something for the kids if they if they that's what path they choose, and we have two our two oldest have definitely chosen the agriculture path, and our two youngest are you know still undecided but um you know goal number one is to leave something for your kids if if that's what they choose
2: so Obviously, you guys have you know been in the industry for quite some time, and one of the things besides your goals that has changed along the way is technology and you guys use performance beef, so how has that specific technology really helped you to reach your goals
1: well we were talking about this prior to the interview just because we got to laughing we don't think back on it too much but we got to laughing about our, you know, how we did invoices and load sheets and everything was by hand, you know, you would create a spreadsheet, a blank spreadsheet on the computer, and then you would hand write everything from the, the medicine, you know, when, when you're treating cattle, all of your pulls to your load sheets, you know, um, to what ration was fed and how much to every pen. And, um, so performance beef, we went from handwritten to, an, to another feedlot program that was still a lot of handwritten. Uh, you could create invoices on the program, but that was about it. Everything was handwritten at the feedlot and then a data entry when you get home to the computer. So I always felt like I was entering things twice. And then you know there's a margin of error for that as well um, to now. And I guess then we went to a thumb drive to where you could download from the feed trucks and then download at the house. But that was another step, and and now we're at Performance Beef and and the organization. And I would say the efficiency of it has just saved a lot of time and effort, and it's more reliable and more accurate. um, Where you know there there is no doubt, no more downloading. There you know there there's one step, and once that one step is done. You're done with it, and you can move on to something else. So, it's allowed us to get some other things done in a day.
4: She yeah. no longer has to has to go and stay up till two o'clock getting oh. feed
1: Oh man, it sounds like it's really
3: streamlined the process for you guys too. You mentioned invoices, Sarah. Do you guys do a lot of invoicing, or once your you know cattle get to. Market weight? Are you feeding them out to market weight? Are you selling them as yearlings? Are you selling them at the local sale barn? What does that process look like for you?
1: We cust- we are custom feeding, and so we'll we do the backgrounding. We wean calves. Okay. You know, we take them from say six hundred pounds to eight twenty five on a half or eight seventy five on a steer. And so I invoice the customers twice a month. Uh, you know, every two weeks I create an invoice. Uh, and so yeah, it's enough uh it, it's not a ton but it definitely has saved me a lot of time and the data is already there you know now to create an invoice I just need to check that that is accurate and kind of flip through uh you know the sheets tab and and look that this the feed is accurate um but other than that it's it's you go into the office and you print the invoices. You know, there isn't a lot of data. There is no data entry actually. Mm.
3: What a great system to be able to do that. And I'm sure that's a big time saver, as you mentioned there too. But when you look at the different features of Performance Beef, what has been the one that has either benefited you guys the most or been your favorite feature?
4: Well, I think the feeding part of it, and that was what got us started, was two other people you know, and and we battled, you know, the important, most important part of the thing is the tech support. And that's having somebody to help you fix a problem. You know, by and large, that's the best thing. The last program we had, the tech support was nine to five and and was, they didn't really like you to call anyway. The people here are great. So that, you know, the most important part of it, most of them, you, you know, if somebody will help you, you can figure it out. But You know, from our, my side of it, if you haven't gathered, Sarah does all the book work and billing and and pen writing and I do all, you know, kind of the feeding and what help with the pen writing and that. But um on the feeding side of it, tracking the feed, you get you got your inventory there. You can just look at the deal real quick and see how what your usage is, you know, how much, you know, I'm buying corn silage. The next week we're gonna need a load a day and go on from there. The simplicity of it for the drivers, we have two guys that work for us, and we gave them the iPads the first day and they never came back. And and that was the, the recommendations that I'd gotten from the other guys was it's just easy. You know, it's not it's it was built by a guy that's running a feedlot, you know. So it it's it's not wasn't made in a, you know, by techies, I guess. <laughs> um, but those those parts of it, you know, the feed, the feed part of it. And then we've moved into using you know the app on the, the doctor inside. So, you know, then everything's right there when she does the billing, it's already in.
2: So one thing that I really enjoy learning a little bit more about is the ultra high frequency tags which I believe is something that you guys use on your operation. So what has it been like incorporating that technology on your operation?
4: For any and we we started with those when we 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 had a program a natural program and I think we were one of the first ones that got that side of it. So we got a lot of help right off the bat. Um And, you know, for program cattle, I think it would be invaluable if you needed to track from, from, you know, from procurement through harvest, I think they would be invaluable to be able to track everything there. Most of the custom cattle that we have, they're just here for 90 days, so we're not using them on those. But being able to go back and look at every detail of that animal, especially if you were even cow-calf producers that were tracking from, you know, from birth on even, I think they would be invaluable there.
1: And it's just another time saver, really, Uh wh- you know, when you process and you put the tag in and if that calf comes back, then, you know, it reads the tag and it's already all the treatments, everything are already there entered. You know, um, you don't have to there's no data entry after that tag is in the air.
3: All right, guys, I've got a really tough question, probably the toughest question I'm going to ask you all night. No, just kidding. Um, when you look <laughs> at technology, which one of you guys is more innovative or willing to try new technology?
4: Yes Not, <laughs> me. Not me at all, but we do have two kids in college, and yeah, well, three kids in college, I guess, and so they they they're huge. Yeah, my daughter had to help me the other day when an iPad battery ran out to get the, the feeding app on my phone and, and she just walked right through it. And I just sit and stare at it. So Sarah <laughs> can figure things out a lot better than I can. And the kids are probably better than she is. So, so which, one of
3: you, what, which one of you two or was it your kids that first introduced you to Performance Beaver? I guess who was it that convinced you to make the transition to start using this technology?
4: Two other small grow yards here in the, in the area had, had used it. So, and we knew the, the Zoetis rep in the time and he was talking about it. And yeah, so those two guys, and it's the, the other program that nobody ever described it as easy, you know, well, it'll work, you know, you can use this program. It'll get it done. These two guys both go, it's just so simple and it, and it is. It's, it's, it's towards easy to figure out. Like I said, you know, hillbilly can figure it out. (laughs) that's me
1: (laughs) it's also been really fun the the apps on the phone um well I say fun for the kids because at college they can pull up the app and kind of see what's going on and see incoming outgoing cattle you know they can look at it themselves and know what's going on and um for me I'm not you know I'm not in the office all day and so if I need to change make a change I can just pull my phone out if I'm sitting on a horse and I need to make a change, then I can do it from my phone right then. And and that has been really helpful
4: as well. On the feed side of it as well. That's being able to do it from a thousand miles away. You can move cattle around and, and, you know, somebody calls you, we need to do this, you know, that, that part of it having it with you all the time is, is awful nice.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So you guys have really spread some positive light on performance beef and what they have to offer. But if there was just one thing that you'd really say that this is why you would recommend the program to other producers, what would that one recommendation be?
4: Because it's ever evolving. They're not, it's not done. They haven't, they're still working on it. And you, you know, you call the reps and you talk to them and they go, Oh, I wish this program did this. And they go, well, okay, let's, see what we can do so you know most programs that's what you got they're done these guys well we'll fix it we'll change it and the tech support on the other side of it, it's just it's just it helps to have somebody to call to to just go how do i fix this
1: and they're feedlot minded people that you talk to so they can relate to or they understand what we're saying and and what is needed
3: yeah, that's been, you know, a, a resounding theme we've heard from a lot of folks that it was folks that were designing this technology that weren't as, as I think you said there, Kenny, techie people. They were people who worked in the industry. They understood what producers deal with. They weren't, you know, folks out in Silicon Valley that are just trying to break into the industry. They, they really get producers and what we're going through. So, well, and that's
4: the tech side, you know, the support you just at four o'clock in the morning, the guy shows up to feed. And the thing, something's not working, what do you do? Well, they answer the phone. So, and not a lot of tech support answers the phone at four in the morning.
3: No, I certainly wouldn't. I don't know that I'd be (laughs) up at that time. (laughs) Well, Kenny and Sarah, we certainly appreciate you joining us today. And it's been really interesting to learn about your operation and how you guys use technology on it.
4: Thanks. Good talking to you. Thank
2: you for your time. Thanks again there to Sarah and Kenny for coming on and talking to us about how they use performance beef on their operations. And folks, if you want to listen to any of our past PLA episodes, we've covered a couple of different things here. You can do so at agnewsdaily.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. With that, I'm going to let the people go.